Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, Wild Black family? This your boy, Art. Wanted to come to you live with a direct message to everybody who I know is being impacted by this coronavirus um, and COVID-19, which is what you know everybody's calling it. Um, we got a really nice episode in store for you with an amazing amount of expertise. And one of the things that is really important is to understand and have knowledge around this information of what's happening. Um, we got a dope guest, some great information. And one of the things is key is information and confidence. And once you become confident, you become a you feel a little bit better about the situation and what you know that you need to go do. So check this episode out. Make it a point to share it with as many people as possible because knowledge is power and it also helps us understand what's going on and what we're going through. You're not getting the the, the most important information from some of these public figureheads that you see on TV every day. So let's talk to an expert and get the real info so that we can really feel empowered and informed about what we're getting into with this COVID-19 and coronavirus. Much love, peace, check it out, share it, and get informed. Your hands are probably one of the most important tools you have and you have to protect them. And that is where this is getting this virus or any virus. Because like we talked about way at the beginning of this, I see respiratory viruses every year. And I see people putting their fingers in their mouths. I see people eating, you know, rubbing their eyes constantly. I see people eating with their fingers. And this is how this is getting spread around. It's through your hands. What's not sinking in is that you have to keep your hands clean. You cannot just wash for two seconds. Um, You can't keep these long fingernails with all this, you know, with all this debris underneath them, soap and water for at least 20 to 30 seconds. You have to keep your hands clean. But I cannot stress enough that keeping your hands clean and then keeping them off of other people and off of your face. 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 Welcome to Wow Black. A seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while Black. If Black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-Black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. We back in the building. We back talking about coronavirus one more again. Hey, check this out. Yeah. What's your name, though? Oh, shit. We did that again. Huh? What's good, everybody? This, did we did we say it last time? Uh, hell no. <laughs> no. What's good, everybody? This is Vince. This art back in the bit. And we can keep leadership in there, too. No, I'm joking. We this, might as well. This, they they what, heard it before. They, yeah, we, we did this a few times. We about 
30% success rate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this art back in the building, people. Cool. We are here. Another special Wild Black episode going back in on coronavirus because we need as much education as we can get on this. We're getting yes, way yes. too much wrong out here. Today we're talking about when you have it, when you are dealing with this respiratory illness, we're talking about the medical care, we're talking about testing. We're just going a little bit deeper again today. And um, just like always, another dope-ass guest. We've got Dr. Carmen Sultan. It is Sultan, right? I'm yes. Right? Uh-huh. You okay. got it. I felt all royal and shit. That dude, that do seem quite. Right? <laughs> right? Like, okay. On the right. back of the jersey, <laughs> on your coat. Sultan? Like, oh shit. You gotta bow you down some, real quick. Extra respect on the name. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw it on it. And so just like the last time, I ain't even going to try to introduce. Like when it comes to folks that are this doggone qualified, this highly educated, have done this much, it is my job to tell you that I am not good enough. So I'm going to pass this mic over to Dr. Sultan and let her tell you just a little bit more about herself and why she's here today. So Dr. Sultan, it's all yours. Oh, thank you. Um, So I guess you want to tell me about myself. Um, I am... An assistant professor at uh, Emory University. Um, I work in the Department of Pediatrics and Emergency Medicine. I'm also the medical director for pediatric sedation in the emergency department at Eggleston Hospital. Um, So that's kind of a little bit of what I do. I have two jobs. I work in the sedation department and the emergency department at Eggleston. Um, So I did my uh, training at Meharry Medical College and I did uh, my undergraduate training at Emory and then my residency training at Emory as well. So I did all in my fellowship at Emory as well. And I stayed on as faculty there. Cool. All right. I'm Mm going to translate what she just said. I'm way smarter than y'all. So just (laughs) listen up. Right. Shut up and listen up. And let me, let's buckle up. Let's ride. I'm way smarter than y'all Negroes out there. Mm -hmm. That's not, well, that's not true. She said, well, look, well. It just just meant that I spent a lot of time in school, a whole lot of time. I'm going to do my intro. So I I graduated from Southern University with a a BS. I can't remember what the hell I graduated in. Yeah. A BS in civil engineering. After that, I went on and got my master's, uh, master's of business administration. And then I worked. That's it. Yeah, that. (laughs) Well, it don't sound. It, it ain't. It ain't, no it ain't as robust. Lust. We need to. We need to work on ours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To make them sound as good as, as she just spit. I don't do know something. if I got enough on my credential list either. We got to do better. We do. Got to do, do better. <laughs> so we <I'm> normally <laughs> co-host on Wild Black. Tell me, I went to school and shit. <laughs> right, right. And graduated and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so we normally do mm. wild black shit, but today we are doing coronavirus shit because mm-hmm. we're very focused on coronavirus, mm. so we're going to warm up with some coronavirus shit. All right, brother, you want to take it through it? Let's go. You ready? I it's think be so. some questions. All you got to do is answer them. Oh, God. All okay. Right? It's All three right. questions. And that last one, the that's last a good one. Is, one. That's hilarious. One yeah. Yeah, I've been inspired the, the Mississippi <clears throat> comment earlier. Yes. Okay. Right, first question. Okay. The coronavirus is just like the flu. <laughs> if you see the look. Uh-huh, right. You should see that. <laughs> that wasn't even a question. That was like a statement. Is this like a true false or? Mm-mm. So the, let's say the question. Is the coronavirus just like the flu? 
It is just like the flu, like they're both viruses. That's about the extent of it. <laughs> she said, hell no. That's she, that, we need somebody to tell the president like that. That's about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the differences? Well, um, I think, well, there's some similarities. Um, there's some similarities in the way that they present, um, clinically speaking. Um, but the differences in that are in that one is an influenza virus and one is a coronavirus, obviously. Right. Um, this particular coronavirus, um, as we've all known, is that this is novel. So this is a, a different, this is a new virus in that our immune systems have never seen it before. So our immune systems are what we call naked to it. So there's right. no immunity to it. Um, so in what we've seen in our, in our um, Chinese colleagues and then our Italian colleagues is that how and also the mortality rate is much different. So what you see in influenza is that you have a mortality rate, especially in older adults of less than a percent even, but right. the coronavirus is showing that it has a mortality rate much higher than that, 10 times higher. So that's also important. Um, in children who I take care of every day, um, influenza can definitely cause morbidity, mortality. So um, high rate of uh, hospitalizations. Um, but coronavirus is, is we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in the U.S. probably in the next one to two weeks. But we're also right. showing a much higher rate of um, respiratory failure and then hospitalizations as well. So right. Right. Um, it's, it's difficult to know. Um, coronavirus is interesting, uh, fascinating in that it rapidly mutates. So um, it's one that is highly unpredictable. Influenza can be like that as well. So there are some similarities. Um, but kind of how it's presenting, especially this one this year, we probably won't have all of that data for you probably for another maybe one to two weeks. So especially okay. how it's behaving in the United States. So listen, wow. just like just like the last episode, you'll hear me jump in and remind you from time to time that everything is really, really new with COVID-19. It was just uncovered in December of 2019. So there's a lot we don't know, and there's a lot that's changing every single day. So everything that we go over here, make sure you hold on to it, but also do your own research at reputable credible sources. And we'll list some of those again for you later. But remember, this is new information. We do not have all the answers and things are changing rapidly. Sorry about that, brother. Back to you. Back oh, to you. no, no worries. So some people think, you know, is this all just media hype? Uh, we don't really need to be worried about this coronavirus thing. What's your take on that? Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. So, you know, I confess that I... I I thought that myself at the beginning, you know, because I see respiratory viruses every single year. I've seen it every year that I've been in practice. And every year, I think they behave a little differently. Um, some years are worse than others. 
So I think some some seasons I work a little harder. Um, so I think at the beginning of, and I've seen coronavirus before. So right. it's not that, you know, coronavirus is something that was just created. So I think at the beginning. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I thought, well, okay, so we've got a new coronavirus or one that's, you know, making us work a little harder. Um, and at first I thought maybe it, it, it was something that we were getting a little worked up, uh, you know, getting a little worked up about. I right. think when <clears throat> I noticed that the... Um, the attack rate was a little higher, meaning that if you came in contact with the virus, you were going to get sick. And then when I noticed that the um, the fatality rate was higher, I got a little concerned. Um, right. So I think then after that, I realized that we probably were dealing with something that we needed to be a little bit more concerned about. Um, the other thing, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, this is a newer or novel virus. So there's a couple of issues with that. There's no appropriate treatment. So we can try a number of antivirals that are out there that we already have that have been clinically proven to work for other viruses, but we don't have anything that we know that works. We also don't have a vaccine. So those are all a couple of fundamental problems. So when all of that came into play and then when we saw how quickly folks were getting infected in other countries, then I realized that we, we did have a problem on our hands here. So it's not a bunch of hype. I think if you're still thinking that, then you have a problem. Now remember, yeah. she's way smarter than you. So admit the problem. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Now this is the question right here. I'm a believer. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if you rub your chest with Vicks Vapor Rub oh. <laughs> and you drink room temperature ginger ale, it will knock this virus right out. Now, Sorry. I, <laughs> now, while that, now I, we we are big believers of ginger ale in our household. Yeah, I, ginger I already, ale. I, I'm, I'm looking at my husband who is like, who is like so no disrespect to the no ginger ale to the ginger ale drinkers. I don't know if that's gonna carry you through this one. Yeah, but um, not even with but, the Vicks. Not. Plus minus the Vicks. Don't drink the Vicks, though. That will hurt you. Um, I think that it's important to realize that for most people, because I don't want to put the wrong message out there. I don't want to. I don't want to put the wrong message. For most people, um, it's looking like this particular virus is self-limited. Um, you will recover. That's in people who are otherwise healthy, right. um, with no medical problems. Those are people who are younger. I think our biggest problem are folks who are over the age of sixty to sixty-five who right. have underlying medical conditions. Those are the folks that we are the most concerned about. Um, so most folks are looking like they will recover. Even people who are like in the epicenter of this, who were over in, in China, most of them have looked to recover. Um, so will ginger ale get you through it? Well, maybe. Um, but I don't know if that's the antivirus, if that's the cure for this, if that's what you're asking me. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> what I think is funny, every I, I hear people say ginger ale and... 
I don't know that I can trust the people who don't say ginger rail. Because I it was it was the Put longest before I recognized <laughs> it was ginger stop ale. ale. It, for me, it was ginger rail. That's what's been my whole life. If you ain't drinking ginger ale, you ain't drinking the right shit. It's all one uh, word. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. It, until you see it. And it's two. You're like, oh, this ain't what I'm looking for. Right. This that's it's obviously this the wrong it. shit. I'm looking for the ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right. So we normally ask our, our signature question in there. Um, so I think actually, you know, it's just let's throw it in there anyway. Let's do it. Yeah. So what do you love most about life while black? I think I most enjoy the the variety that I see in black people and people of color. Um, it excites me. It makes me proud. Um, I am a more fair-skinned black woman. I have a, I'm married to a dark-skinned black man, even in my own household. Um, From Mississippi. The, Go ahead, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even in our own household, um, the variety in our own children. Um, I take care of children all the time. And um, the beauty that I see in the, my, on my own patients, um, some of them are... Um, fair skin, they've got blue eyes, they've got curly hair, and then some are dark, and right. um, they've got shorter, kinky hair, and you just don't get that in any other yeah. population of yeah. people. The beauty yeah. that you see, the rainbow of people that you see, um, it makes me proud um, to be a part of that population or cohort of people. Um, so, and that's some of the reason that I took the job that I took, taking care of the population of people that I represent, I've spent a portion of my time at Grady downtown, mm. um, which is a, sometimes can be a, a challenging group of folks. Um, and, <laughs> but um, I wanted them to, to always, I didn't want it to, to, to be that they didn't see a woman of color right. um, taking care of them. Uh, I didn't want it to always be that the nurses and the staff and the physicians that they saw were, were not women of color. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so. I, I enjoy that about about our people. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So normally here we do a dope quote. And a dope quote is just something from the mouth of typically someone black, philosophy, religion, politics, music. But being, being more serious for a moment, because right now um, everyone who can hear this episode is going through something, right? This is something that is unprecedented in our, in our country's history. Um, the fact that the NBA shut down, right? All these different things that are happening are putting people in a place where there is tremendous uncertainty, right? Anxiety, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. disbelief. And I've always been a believer in hope and faith. So as opposed to dope quotes, today we have a hope quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> a hope quote. <laughs> that means we love y'all while black. Right. So I'm going to read this hope quote, and then I just want to get your opinion on it, your thoughts on it what, it, what it makes you feel or think. Okay. Hope is being able to see that there is a light despite all the darkness by Desmond Tutu. I'll read it one more time for you. Hope is being able to see that there is a light despite all of the darkness. What comes to mind when you hear that quote? So um, when I hear that, I think... The first thing, the first word that pops into my mind, stream of consciousness, is is faith. I keep a um, a, a quote from the Book of Romans actually on my screensaver uh, on my phone, and that despite 
what you may be going through now if you continue believing that there's something better than something will be there. Um, so I think um, Desmond Tutu was was great at um, inspiring faith in other yeah. people. Um, so that's kind of the first immediate thing um, that pops into my to my mind, just in an isolated quote. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right, what do you think about it, bro? I think it's a, a quote of perseverance. Um, in a... In, and a level of resilience that says you have to have a little, you have to have a level of, of hope or faith that would put you in a position where you know, even though you may be at the, the lowest point, the darkest hour, the light is there. So there is a solution. There is a way you're going to get out of it, but you just got to keep going through it. Um, I mean, that's kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. If you're growing, I think that's, it's a, it's a part of life. Like you, you have to understand and recognize that if you are growing in any aspect of your life, you're, you're going to be in moments where it's complete darkness, but you keep going. Yeah. When I read that quote earlier today, because I, I just pulled this one out today, what I got from initially began to change. Like, as I read it a couple of times, I started thinking that this is a skill, right? Some people are, are born with the ability to perform in a manner that other people aren't, right? And so being able to to believe that there's light despite the darkness, I think is a skill, something that most of us need to be taught, right? And if you don't have the right teacher showing you how to find the rays of hope and the rays of light despite the darkness, then it's something that you struggle, right? So I, I think that this comes from being around people who know that there's a way out, even when maybe it doesn't look like a way out, who understand that when you're going through a devastating situation, that it is a temporary situation. And what I want people to get from this is that if you are the type of person who can feel the hope and see the light despite the darkness, I think you have a responsibility, actually even an obligation, to make sure that the people who you touch and you influence learn that from you so that they can then pass that on to other people and just create a more hopeful world just in general. Because I think if enough of us hope, then eventually we begin to believe. And if we believe, then you can go out and do it. I don't want to say you believe you can achieve because I already got called corny once. Preach, but- preacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But go out there and teach somebody how to feel that hope and teach someone how to live inside that hope and teach someone how to see the light despite the darkness. So that's my thought. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are y'all ready to move into this core portion of this, this interview and get some yes. more yes. corona information? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, you already kind of jumped out there. She answered question number one like it wasn't. No, you saw that? Easy work. <laughs> Actually, one and two. So mm-hmm. we got to go all the way down to three. Coronavirus is not new. COVID-19 is new. Yes. Mm-hmm. But given that coronavirus isn't new, and we, we learned from Dr. Sutton that there, I think she said there have been seven, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, like seven variations of mm-hmm. the coronavirus before. Is there a vaccine that we could have taken to prevent this from happening? And once you actually get coronavirus, is there an effective treatment? That's an excellent question because I am a, big believer in vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think vaccines uh, save lives. I'm just going to put that plug in there. Right. Um, I'm a big, big fan of vaccines. Um, and My children got theirs too. I got them. God, God bless. Um, so <laughs> I think... No um, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this instance, there is not an effective vaccine, which I think is some of the issue here. I think, um, you know, we've seen coronavirus before and right. we've seen it cause um, problems for us before. I think... 
Some of the issue, like I mentioned before, is that it's highly infective. So I think that causes some problems for our friends who are trying to create effective vaccines. Is right. um, is there you know safety in vaccine research? So that's one of the problems. Um, I think that they are working very diligently, both in the U.S. and in other countries, to create an effective vaccine. But mm-hmm. you know these things take time; they take research dollars. So um, you know I think we'll keep working on it. But right now there is not one. Right. Um, the other thing, which you mentioned kind of briefly previously, is influenza. Um, it is possible to be co-infected with coronavirus and influenza. I have seen that in my That's clinical really? practice. In my clinical practice, um, both. Both. Um, so, so uh, I know you. How, how do you figure that out? Like, as a person, because I can only I can't have a double cough, right? I can't have the symptoms times two. Like, how do you figure that out? What I've read is that it happens more commonly in children and older mm-hmm. adults. Um, it's less common to have co-infection with influenza and coronavirus, but mm-hmm. about twenty percent of the time you can have co-infection with influenza and coronavirus in children. Um, how I diagnose it is if I have a child that I'm clinically suspicious, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I can run um, a rapid uh, test. I can run a rapid test for flu, um, which is just a PCR that can come back in about an hour. What is a PCR? So that's just a, without getting into all the heavy details, it's just um, an hour test that they can run in the lab and they uh-huh. can test for the, the, the RNA or the DNA of the virus gotcha. and tell me gotcha. if it's there, positive or negative, thumbs up, thumbs down. Gotcha. Um, for um, if I want to test for a whole panel of viruses, I can do just a little nasal swab. I can just borrow a booger from a kid and then put it, <laughs> yep, put it in the lab. In about a couple hours, they'll tell me if I've got about twenty of them. And wow. sometimes I can see that they've got multiple viruses. Um, they have similar panels that they can run in adults, and they can tell us if they've got any virus that you can imagine that we have within that realm of the test. Gotcha. So talking about the panels and things that you can run. What is the issue with testing when it comes to coronavirus right now? It's all, COVID-19. Yeah, that's also a very big topic, I think, big in the media. Um, I think I think it's a couple of issues. Um, and I, I think... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. The big issue right now is that people want to know if they've been exposed. They want to know if they have it. Um, if they're clinically suspicious, if they've got a cough or a runny nose, they want to know, you know, what to do next. Can they go back to work? Can right. they can they send their kids back to school? There's this big thing called, you know, isolation. Um, you know, do they have to isolate themselves? Do they, you know, and I think having a test kind of helps tease out some of those questions. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues as to availability of the test and mm-hmm. how to administer the tests that have gotten in the way of administering the test in the U.S. rapidly. Um, other countries have done a little bit better of a job than we've been able to do in the U.S. here. Yeah. Um, what all of those kind of factors and barriers are, I'm not entirely sure. I think some of them are above us. They're probably right. on the level of the, the state and federal governments. Right. Some states have had done better with getting good access to or better access than we have here in Georgia, at least, right. um, to a rapid test. Um, New York has got, has been able to test a little bit better, uh, but right. other countries have certainly done better. I think some of it is getting the test to the people, um, training people to administer the test, 
having lab technicians who can then run the test and then getting the results back to the people. So it's multiple steps. It's not just having the test, the quote unquote test right. kit. So it's it's a couple of steps there. I think that people think that just having, if you just have the kit, if the kit just makes it to the states and then makes it to the people, then you know that's all you need. But it's a couple of other variables there. You have to have enough um, reagents. You have to have enough technicians who can run the test and then subsequently people to interpret the results and get the results back to you as the patient. That is really good to know. In, in my mind, it was like Walmart. They got milk. It's on the shelf. You pick it up, you go. Yeah, I think I was it's, thinking a test was, you know, you, you get the test. test you, <laughs> you're in there. You do the thing, whatever it is that you need to do. And then the you test or you, can't or, or you're tell not. you where you at. Right. Yeah, I think it's... Plus it, or minus. Plus yeah, or minus. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a couple <laughs> of different, yeah, variables there. And some of it, you know, involves money. You know, you have yeah. to have enough, you know, lab techs throughout the, the day and the night to run the test. Well, where are you going to do it? Are you going to do it like kind of like you've seen in New York where they have drive-up tests as your... You know, your primary care doctor going to do it? Are you going to, mm-hmm. you know, are people going to think that they're going to come to the emergency room and subsequently get this test? Um, the emergency room is not the place to be cleared to go back to work, to school, to daycare. Mm. Um, that overruns our medical system. So those are important factors when you're talking about having a test that's new. And right. then how do you get those results back to the people so that the people can use this test yeah. in the appropriate fashion? So you you mentioned overrunning the the medical system. I want to talk about that a little bit because I I know my wife is a nurse practitioner, right? Mm-hmm. And so I hear a lot from her and then you do hear it in the media talked about the potential for our medical system. Not necessarily, collapsing is not the wrong word. That's that's way over dramatized, but being overrun, right? Being not being able to handle what's coming their way. What can what can the people listening today do to help keep that system operating in a healthy manner? Or, or not do, maybe mm-hmm. the better case. What can they not do? You know, I think that that kind of goes back to that, you know, kind of term or that understanding of what's called isolation versus mm-hmm. mitigation, which, you know, isolation was last week, right? So we've right. kind of moved past that. And now we're trying to, you know, we're trying to do that, you know, that hashtag flatten the curve thing that you're, right. that you're, that you're hearing mm-hmm. about. And that is designed to not overrun the medical system. Ah, gotcha. So... We will have, I think, a much better understanding of how our healthcare system can absorb this virus and its outcomes probably sometime in the next 7 to 14 days. Um, We're kind of getting a little bit of an understanding now, but I think I'll have a much better answer for you probably in the next 7 to 10 days. Very fair. It's all new. Yeah, I think think this isn't really answering your question, but I think the more important point is that um, hospital beds... Um, nurses, um, ICU beds, ventilators, these are all a finite resource. Right. There's not an abundance of them. Right. Um, there's less than, um, there's maybe 900,000, less than a million ICU beds in the country um, compared to the, wow. number of, the number of people that you have. Less than a million? Um, At first, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say in Atlanta. I was like, it's pretty good. That's, we, we all right. Damn, no. in the country. Yeah. And in the over, country? And over 75% of them are going to be in metropolitan areas. So that does not include, you know, your rural counties. Um, yeah, some of them are being used already before That's an COVID-19. excellent point. <laughs> that's an excellent. Some of them are already in use. Wow. So those are already in use by patients who are, you know, incapacitated. Yeah. Um, you know, neuro ICU patients. Um, so, you know, you're talking about a very finite resource. Um, that is a hell of a stat. 
So yeah, so our healthcare system isn't really equipped to handle a, a huge overload or influx of, of of critically ill patients. So if you look at what could potentially happen if you have a lot of critically ill elderly patients, mm. patients who are, you know, tracheostomy dependent or ventilator dependent already, potentially who get critically ill and then flood the medical system and require an ICU bed or require a ventilator, um, we could easily be at capacity within days. So that's where this this issue of trying to not overrun the medical system or to try to prevent healthy people from spreading this virus amongst themselves becomes so critically important because, you know, you and I are very healthy and this disease will be very self-limited between you and I. But, you know, if we take it to, you know, our grandparents who are 80 or 90 years old, the outcome could be very different. And if you multiply that times 80 or 90 grandmas, you know, Atlanta Medical Center could not handle that type of volume. In Italy, I heard this stat where they were going to begin to make some decisions. And I, I, I don't know if they enacted this or not, but... They're kicking off the Hunger Games? Well, after, like, the so they're running out of supplies of and equipment and people to support these people. So if you're 80 and over, they are making decisions not to treat you. Or, or they could be. I don't know if they enacted it or not. But that tells back. me of a gap in the medical system to be able to handle that, which is... That's Which a tough decision. Oh my God! Like, what eighty-year-old hoping who who who's it to say that? Oh, this person is going to live, or this person is going to die because they don't have access to this ventilator. Well, I think in the U.S. we have some provisions or some backups. We have um, we have uh, ventilators that are in the operating rooms. So my husband and I were talking about that this afternoon. We have. Uh, Ventilators that are in the operating rooms. Right. We have ventilators that are in the post anesthesia care units or the PACUs. So these are all, you know, thoughts that we, you know, that hospital administrators have been talking about over the past couple of days. You know, what can we do to kind of free up space, you know, in an emergency if we have, you know, if we have a large number of critically ill patients. So right. you can always potentially put an intubated patient or a patient that requires a breathing machine in one of these other units so that you don't ordinarily have them. So that's also been some of the reasons that you've heard some of these talks from the American College of Surgeons about canceling or postponing some of these non-emergent mm-hmm. surgeries. Yeah, yeah. Or So if you are a patient that's gotten a call from your insurance company or your, you know, your surgeon about potentially postponing your you know, knee repair or um, your colonoscopy or something, this may be the reason why. Um, it's to preserve um, OR space or our anesthesiologists or our OR equipment or our nursing staff or even simple things like masks and gloves. These are also finite resources. Yeah. Um, we, you know, they have to be manufactured. They have to be shipped to hospitals. They have to be shipped to frontline staff like yeah. ER physicians and nurses. And they take time. And, right. you know, what we've learned from our um, our colleagues in Italy is that we don't have as much time as we thought we did. Um, you know, the, the patients that get critically ill get critically ill very quickly. And then you know, it, it it kind of goes up exponentially. And then that is where the the healthcare system, uh, the emergency rooms, the ICUs uh, get yep. get overrun very quickly. Um, and we end up um, in a very difficult spot. Yeah. Now, do you think that in the United States, we will really test that system with this COVID-19? You know, it, it's difficult to, it's difficult to predict. I hope not. 
Um, I hope that I hope that it doesn't get to that point. I hope that all of the measures that we have we've tried really hard to put into place over the past couple of days will help. Um, that's that's my sincere hope. Um, I hope that people are doing their best to to try to 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 not spread this virus around because it's it's hard fundamentally. I think to to see if what you're doing is helping. Right. Um, it's and I think it's a tall ask for people. Um, to do what's being asked of them. Um, right. Your kids aren't in school. Your restaurants are closed. Um, we have three kids that are all at home and they're about to run us nutty. Amen. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and it's, it's, it's yeah. hard to not let them go outside. It's hard to not send them to their activities and, it, and especially if they don't look ill. Yeah. So, right. um, but my message is to keep trying and to keep doing what you're being asked um, because it may not impact you directly, but it may impact a family member or a neighbor potentially. And, you know, time will tell over the next several days um, or over the next week. And my hope is that we will not get to that point. But if you look across the globe, other countries have been pushed to that limit or pushed to that test. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, these very critically ill resources are finite. We don't have an abundance of them. We don't have a ventilator for every elderly patient. Um, we do not have an anesthesiologist or um, a critical right. care physician for every patient who needs it. We just we just don't have that, unfortunately. That, that is just it is such a strong point because I I know I don't, and I'm going to make the assumption for most of our listeners that we just don't view medical resources and supplies as finite, mm-hmm. right? And and Correct. I and I think in, in most cases you always consider the option that well, if if you know Atlanta, whatever. Is booked. They'll send me across town to this other establishment, other organization. Yeah, but, they'll have what I need, right? But the situation is, they they all could be stressed beyond capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that is terrible. It's it's very possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and the other point too is so many, um, so many folks of of color, so many folks um, who live below the poverty line are going to be directly impacted by this lack of resource. Um, it's the case right here in Atlanta. Um, so many folks live below the poverty line; they don't have access to care. Um, so it, it could be it could be anybody that you know directly. So um, we just have, we have to keep trying. So and hopefully, what we're doing is is good enough. So. That's, that's so scary. That's crazy to so me. What um what are the complications of the coronavirus? Well, um, I think. In adults, the main ones appear to be respiratory failure. The, the, the worst one would appear to be that respiratory failure. Um, so if you, know, if you uh, have significant enough respiratory distress and respiratory failure, then uh, what we're seeing a lot is that these people ultimately have to go into a breathing machine. Uh, so how long that lasts, it could be um, you know, several days. Uh, there have been, obviously, as you know, you know several, several deaths. Um, what we've seen on um, chest films and CT scans of the chest is this kind of patchy, kind of what we call ground glass sort of appearance that uh, right. consistent with pneumonia. Right. Um, I have uh, heard of a couple of patients that have had GI complications or um, like um, infectious type diarrhea, um, which makes this particular coronavirus look a little different than the coronavirus I've seen yeah, in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that, that makes this look a little different than the coronavirus I've seen in the past. Um, where it's very isolated to the upper respiratory tract. So um, a lot of runny nose, sore throat, pink eye looking sort of features. Um, but um, this one can, uh, in about maybe anywhere from 10 to 15% of patients can have um, a lot of diarrhea and vomiting. Um, 
So I think the most dreaded complication, as you know, obviously there's been a lot of fatalities, a lot of deaths, um, right. but um, a lot of people are going to end up critically ill because of respiratory failure. Mm. So, so just, just for clarity and comprehension, when you say respiratory failure, Explain for our listeners what that really means. Because that, that I, doesn't mean you just stop breathing and you die. It, it, there are other there are levels to this shit, basically, right? So it can certainly start out looking like, you know, oh, you know, I don't think I, you know, my throat is itchy. And then it can very quickly progress to chest pain, you know, like I'm coughing and, you know, I have a little chest pain from cough. Um, to I can't control like all of this, like snot coming down my throat um, to... Yeah. You know, well, let me go into the ER, and then you're coughing and coughing all over the place. Um, oh, wow. You can't oxygenate well, and then they may make wow. you know the doctors may make the elective decision right then to put the breathing tube down because they feel like it's easier or safer to breathe for you at that point wow. than for you to breathe for yourself. Or maybe you look so critically ill then there, or your vital signs don't look good that they have to do it emergently. It could be any of those things. Um, interestingly, um, children seem to be doing relatively well. Um, the disease in children looks to be self-limited. Um, that's the good thing. The more bad thing or neutral thing is that they look to be relatively asymptomatic. So it's very hard for me to know in my own clinical practice right. who has it and who doesn't. Um, so I'm sure that there's some kids that we've interacted with who could be potentially positive, right. but are just kind of walking around what I call harboring a virus and right. who knows. Um that's some of the benefit, like we talked about a couple of minutes ago, of having right. a test that we just don't have access to right yeah. this minute. Yeah. All right. So mm. if I seriously suspect that I have the virus, should I panic? No, but you should stay yourself at home. <laughs> that was the next you question. You go right what to the house. Stay at the house is what you should do um, for at least a week. Um, we at Emory have a very strict policy. If we have an employee who is ill, they have to stay at home for um, seven days or until they're 48 hours symptom-free, whichever is the longest. Oh, uh, the longest, okay. The longest, yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting spot for those of us who are directly in contact with patients. Um, yeah, that's tough. It is, um, but if you are um, ill... It's even harder. Yeah, if you're ill... Um, I would worry less about trying to acquire a test and more about staying at home. Um, unless you, of course, are um, very critically ill. Like if you're, like I said, the type of, if you're on chemotherapy because you have cancer, if you are immunocompromised and you're on chronic steroids, um, if you just had, you know, a transplant or something like that, then you right. need to be in direct contact with your medical provider and they should be able to guide you. There is, I don't want to give the impression that there is no test in Georgia. There is a test. Um, right. The Department of Health has it. The CDC is right up the street. Right. Um, when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. There is, there, there is a test in Georgia. How to get it at this point um, is a little complicated. So if you are, you know, if you are in one of those things that I just mentioned, then mm. your healthcare provider needs to know um, that you feel ill so that they can help you. Um, going to the emergency department is not going to be the best way to just get a rapid test or get cleared to go back to work or your kid has a runny nose. So can you get cleared to go back to right. school or something like that? That's right. probably not going to be advantageous. Yeah. So even that thought process is stressful, right? So if you think you have symptoms, 
and you think you mm-hmm. have it, and the news has been flooding you with all this information about Definitely. all the deaths and everything associated to it. Yes. And then you contact your healthcare professional and he or she says something like, oh, well, your, your symptoms don't seem like you're really at risk in consideration to everyone else, right? I've heard some stories about that. Yes. What, what do you say for, to people who would maybe be in a situation where they're, they're terrified and they're sitting mm-hmm. at home watching the news and they're coughing and... You know, they're 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 feeling like they're about to die, and and they're yeah. not getting the level of support that they think they yeah. need. That's that's so tough. I um I'm a night shift worker, so I only work nights. Which is I'm glad this is radio because I got home this morning. But uh, so, but I you know I actually had a, this I had this same clinical I had the same patient like in the middle of the night last night, and you know it was a. She said, you know, I would not have even come in here had it not been for the news. She was like, I would not have been worried otherwise, but, you know, I've got a fever, you know, my nose is running, I'm coughing, you know, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, you know, I was like, I told her the same thing. I was like, you have stayed home for a week. You know, if you have trouble breathing, if you have, um, you can't keep yourself hydrated, you come back and see me, I'll do the best that I can. But I did not have a test to give her, you know, from... I, you know, 100, 150% with everything I had, if I had had a test, I would have run it. I would have given it to her, but I did not have a test in my possession to give. Um, so I think that's the best that we can do, you know, as, you know, emergency providers right now. Um, I hope that, you know, by the time this airs, hopefully in the next couple of days, you know, that will change the access to this test to um, help folks realize um, when they're at higher risk versus lower risk, are they positive or are they negative? Maybe that will change. Um, but right now, that's the best that I can tell them um, is if they think they're sick, they need to self-isolate. Um, by self-isolate, they need to stay in their own home. Mm. Um, if they can use um, one bathroom and not expose other people in their house. I mean, it's five of us in our house. So so I don't know what self-isolate means when, you're, when you have three kids. So, right. so, but that sort of means stay in your own room. Try not to... Um, share a bathroom, um, but it means, you know, not going to church. It means, um, you know, not going to work. It means, you know... That's terrifying. Isn't it? It really is. It Don't really is. Don't go to church. It is. Oh. It is. Um, but some of and that... Is, isolate yourself. Like, get away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Until you... Until the symptoms are, are, are gone. But that was the best that I could... You know, that's yeah. the best that I can offer right now when I don't have a readily available... As a medical provider, a readily available test in my hand. Um, hopefully, at some point, I will, and then I can... change my speech. As a parent, I don't know how that is even possible, right? If one of my children were to be, you know, confirmed to have this COVID-19, I don't know how I could not, like, be there. Like, understanding that it's scary for us as adults who can comprehend all this, but for someone And you would take it for for your... Yeah, 100%. It it wouldn't even be an option because I'm not going to let them be by themselves. And And we don't own bubbles. Correct. Man, that's that's tough. That is tough. And it sounds like, a, to me personally, like a massive failure on the part of the government and whoever's creating these tests because China and all these other folks, they got tests. I, I mean, and I'm not saying that they, they mm-hmm. you know, didn't have to go through a crisis in order to get enough right. of them to, to be effective, but I, I think the response has been a little shitty. It's, it's interesting because, you know, 
we were talking about this the other day, other countries um, are testing a lot more rapidly than we are in the mm-hmm. U.S. Why that is, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm not a I'm not a statistician or a, a, a testing right. expert, but you know, if it were the other way around, I think. You know, if we were testing, 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 or if we had come up with a a, a beautiful, you know, yeah. medical test, and you know, Germany or China or Japan needed that, they would ask for help. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm yeah, exactly. I, I'm not entirely clear as to why the U.S. hasn't reached out to some of these other countries and and figured out how to make this testing process more efficient for the American people, or yeah. at least. Um, if it's a funding issue, acknowledge that or to kind of, at least for those of us who are, you know, on the front lines of this, right. who are medical providers who are dealing with patients, like you said, who parents who are anxious, who are scared, you know, tell us what to say, tell us, yeah. you know, give us a timeline. Um, you know, other people are doing it a little bit better. So, you know, phone a friend. Yeah. And, um, but I think to answer your other point, I think the good news is that in, pe- in the pediatric population, kids are are right now, today, as of right now, appear to be doing relatively okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seattle, which has a little bit of a, a hot spot of COVID um, uh, so far, um, does not have um, any reported pediatric deaths as far as I know. Um, that could change over the next couple of days. Right. Um but um, I read a case report of one, um, one I think, 14-year-old that death in China. Um, but I haven't read a ton. I have it in combing the literature before I came here. I did not read right. of a ton right. of pediatric deaths across the globe. Um, yeah. What you're hearing of are, are, are much older adults. Right. Um, so um, it, it looks like in kids... Uh, they tend to, it tends to be self-limited. The thing that scares me the most is that they tend to be asymptomatic carriers. So right. uh, about mm-hmm. a lot of them are maybe harboring the illness. We're thinking it's a cold or it's their allergies. And then, right. yeah, I don't know. Else, yeah. Now, is it, is the incubation period, or, or maybe explain what incubation period is, one. Um, I also hear the term that, hey, it's a two-week window where if you have it, you can infect other people. Is that? True, or how does that how does that work? Well, I think it's probably hard to. I think it's those questions are probably easier answered by viruses that we know a little bit better how they behave. So next year we'll probably have this all ironed out beautifully. We could tell you the right. incubation period. We could tell you, you know, how long it lives on surfaces. All of this sort of things. I think we're kind of extrapolating a lot of this data mm, based I've on seen that other changed like twice today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, we're probably yeah. extrapolating a lot of that based on how other coronaviruses have behaved. Um, so I don't want to put that out there and then misspeak. Um, I think the best I can tell you is that we do know it's a respiratory virus. Um, so those incubation periods can be a couple of days, you know, five to seven. Um, and then the more important point is that um, it is transmitted from person to person in a mm-hmm. respiratory fashion. So you sneeze, you cough, you know, you speak. Um, but namely, if you sneeze or cough, you create this cloud of virus that can be um, about anywhere from four to six feet around you. That's why the CDC in this kind of social isolation That's thing, the droplets we keep hearing about. Exactly. is saying keep about six feet in, around you because if you sneeze, you know, you probably can't control it. You're speaking to somebody and then it overcomes you. And then you have about six feet of droplet, you know, around you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what I also understand is that mm. it can live on surfaces um, anywhere from a couple of minutes to maybe eight to nine hours. Um, it's it's a little difficult to know. So mm. if you like, you know, a lot of people do, you scratch your nose, you you know, you don't mean to, um, or you sneeze into your hand and then you touch something, you touch your coffee cup, your Yeti cup, you set it down mm-hmm. um, or touch a doorknob or like New Yorkers who are very close together, but they live in high-rise buildings are constantly touching elevator buttons. Yeah that virus can live there for several hours. Um, So then somebody comes behind you, touches it, it's on their finger, they rub their eye. um, That's how it's spreading around so rapidly. Wow. Hmm. So is is the mask, is that really a, does it, is it effective? Does it, is it a deterrent? Is it, what's up on this mask thing? Because like, you know, Masks are selling out everywhere. You could you could buy six masks for five thousand dollars and twenty six cent, right? What, like, is that is that really like <laughs> if that twenty six cent would that have been a real bargain? Right, if it went for that right. twenty six cent, I'm telling you. Is it like how does how does the mask work? Because I, I see a lot of folks running around with these masks on. I'm like, am am I am I the crazy with or should I have a mask on too? Well, before you answer that, uh, make, make sure add context around the different types. So I know the N95 is the one that's supposed to help against the <laughs> airborne versus what you can get is just I don't know what the hell it's called, but like add some context to the type of mask and everything. Well I'm gonna back it up by saying the first step is putting the mask over your face. <laughs> because, <laughs> Can't put it on your head, right? right. And just, okay. That is not doing or it. Or sit it right there on your neck. Because <laughs> me and my oldest kid, we were driving around and we were like, we're going to start taking pictures of like silly things people are doing that are not helping. And putting the mask <laughs> around your neck is probably not helping. Yeah. So if it makes you feel better to wear a mask, I feel like in times like this, Please do it yeah. if it makes you feel better. I do feel like if you put the mask around your neck, like that, that could hold M and M's really, really good. Like so, you can get right. quick access to the M and M's. I saw. I'm an M and M fanatic. I love it. Man, I'm a fan of M and M's too. <laughs> I saw a dude take the mask off, sneeze, <laughs> and then put the mask back on. So I, look, he was on I, I, I looked. Now I was, I was shit. Probably, I was, he was across the street. So I looked, I stopped, and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are you, like, I don't know, like, what the, is it? Is it a proper mask-wearing etiquette? Like, or is that the right thing to do? You like, should have thrown a rock at him. I, I need you to go home. <laughs> so gotta, I'm already terrified because he got this mask on, right? And he has his mask on with a damn, it's like a, a little. <laughs> he got the respirator joint on? Dude, it, 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 it has like a. It looked, it looked like a painter mask or some shit. And I was like, man, I don't even know what kind of mask that is. But he took it off to sneeze, and then he put it back on as if, hey, I'm not trying to protect you fuckers. I'm trying to protect myself. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I want to reinfect myself. And he had to this? let that sneeze out. Yeah. Oh. Like, he didn't want to put it in the mask, right? <laughs> which I'm, you got. Which I'm thinking like, well, ain't that the reason for the mask? Is to protect it from going out? It is. Okay. He's like, fuck it. I don't want wet lips. <laughs> right. Right. I don't want to be smelling his sneeze all day. <laughs> right. I don't like wet lips. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> See, people get oh these damn God. masks and they don't know what they're supposed to be doing with them. Well, I think that the more important point is that um, the CDC says now that uh, masks are not required. You don't have to go around and wear a mask um, if you... Uh, if it makes you feel better to wear one, then right. I mean, by all means, go ahead. Um, please do not steal them. 
um, from the hospital. We had a, a, a you're laughing. I'm not joking. We I now believe it. Oh, I believe we that. now have to we now have to lock them up behind the oh, nurses yeah. station because there's so many people stealing them. People they're like morphine now. They're, they're stealing them. They steal the gloves. They steal the uh, wet wipes. Mm-hmm. It's no need. But um, but these things become scarce and like a, they become scarce and then people don't have them. The nurses don't have them. We don't have them. But the N95 mask is even harder to find. Um, it's because it's expensive, yeah. uh, but it's a tight fitting. Um, we have to be fitted for it every year. Um, mask that goes over the mouth and the nose. It has two bands over the top of the head and the bottom, but that's for airborne precautions. So yeah. those are things like meningitis, TB. Um, but speaking to the change, they initially thought this was transmitted Via airborne, correct? I, I don't know that, if I even said that right, but I y'all think, got me. I think they initially thought that. However, um, if you're going to be very close, if I'm going to be very close to a patient, like for a procedure, if I'm putting a breathing tube down, then right. I, they, I still wear an N95 mask. Gotcha. Um, but if I'm just going to be like in contact with them, like if I am with you, right. um, then I'll wear just a regular right. a regular mask, a regular face mask with a face shield. So cover my mouth and cover my eyes. Right. Um, but if you're walking around, you know, town, if you're taking your kids out for a walk or something, um, you don't have to yeah. wear a mask. Let me let me ask this question. Can I get this twice? Yeah. COVID, oh, sorry. Good question. That is a good question. Um, Man, that would suck. It really, <laughs> Wouldn't it? That would be like, like the worst. Fuck. <laughs> Terrifying. I'm going to get this shit again. Fuck. I'm going to die. Like, what? That's that a is a damn good question. That is a really good question. I was looking for something in the literature about that just yesterday. And um I think it's it's I, I don't think we will know until probably next year because remember, right. this is something our immune systems have not been exposed to. Um there I think there was one report of a patient in China who did have some immune remembrance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is so critically important for vaccine research, right? Because if you want the body to have some remembrance, because that's how we can develop a vaccine. Um, because if we don't, then it becomes critically difficult to develop a vaccine. But um, I don't think we know quite yet. Um, that's why you know HIV research has been so, or HIV vaccine research has been right. so challenging. It's how the immune system remembers the virus. Right. But maybe, yeah. maybe explain like what that means, like. Immune remembrance. So, without getting into all of the, Good ad, yeah, without getting into all the nitty gritty of it, you have um, one kind of line of cells. I need a whiteboard, and a, <laughs> but you have one line of cells called your T cells, which are your immune your immune cells. Um, they basically have like a brain, like a memory, and so. Um, for viruses in particular, if you're exposed to them, they're like, "Hey, I've seen you before. I know mm. how to kill you." Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then sometimes they can't remember. So for whatever reason, they just they can't remember a particular virus. And so that's how vaccines like, you know, the MMR vaccine, that's how they work. They right can teach cells. That's measles, mumps, rubella, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Okay. They cool. can teach a cell how to... Yeah. They can That's t- that Mississippi education, <laughs> baby. Get with it. Big brain, big brain. We see you. <laughs> they can teach the cells how to remember a virus if it's ever exposed to it. And then they have almost like an army that's lined up. Like, I'm your measles T-cell. I'm your varicella T-cell. I've seen you before. I can kill right. you. 
But if for some reason your immune system can't process that particular memory, then it becomes hard to develop a vaccine. I, I, I've got one more question, brother. I don't know if you got any more on your side, but I figure this is something that, well, I know this is something that people need to hear. The question is, what type of disinfectants do we need to kill the virus in our household, normal cleaning? And the reason I ask this is because, like, you know, all the cleaners are gone, except like the toilet bowl cleaners now, right? And when I was in the store the last time, there were, there were two <laughs> and the people. bath and body works <laughs> soap. But all the glitter. any antibacterial it's properties. It's glitter right? and 20% unicorn. <laughs> Not doing a damn there thing. Were, there were two people standing good. at the shelf. And they were talking to themselves like, this says bleach on it. Can I use this? And it was it was the toilet bowl cleaner that had like the neck that bent so you could go underneath the rim of the toilet. But they were trying to clean like all their countertops and stuff. And they even asked them, like, can we use this? Like, well, shit, that, I mean, I, I'm glad you think I look that smart. I have no damn idea. It says bleach, go for it. I don't know. My husband is sitting here. What are we cleaning the toilet with? No, they want to know. use that to clean their counters. I don't know. That I think we're asking ourselves the wrong question here. Um, the more important question is, what are you cleaning your hands with? Um, ah, good reason. So, right. like um, your hands are not one of the, the your hands are probably one of the most important tools you have, um, and you have to protect them. Yeah. Um, and that is where this is getting this virus or any virus, because like we talked about way at the beginning of this, I see respiratory viruses every year. Right. And I see people putting their fingers in their mouths. I see people eating, you know, rubbing their eyes constantly. I see people eating with their fingers. And this is how this is getting spread around. It's through your hands. And so, I mean, quite frankly, you could use bleach. You could use whatever household cleaner you want. But what people are not, what's not sitting in, sinking in is that you have to keep your hands clean. Um, you cannot um, just wash for two seconds. Um, you can't keep these long fingernails with all this, you know, with all this debris underneath them. Right. Um, soap and water for at least 20 to 30 seconds. Um, you have to keep your hands clean. Um, I think you can, you know, I seriously, uh, I think, you know, whatever you like that keeps your bathroom clean um, right. is is reasonable. Bleach is reasonable. Clean your, you know, cleans most house, household surfaces. Right. Um, we use... Um, like a, a like a Clorox like cleanup type wipe at the hospital, um, what we call a cavi wipe. Right. Um, but I cannot stress enough um, th that yeah, keeping your hands clean and then keeping them off of other people and off of your face. I gotta say, you've done it. Like, I've, I've touched my face at least thirty two million times since we've been sitting here. Have you seen her touch her face? Mm -mm. Oh, I haven't either. I'm I'm terrified and shit though. So I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> So you mentioned that we don't know quite yet if coronavirus, you can get it again. Mm -hmm. But like the flu, you can get the flu again, right? Or, mm -hmm. or can you? The flu, well, the, that's where I think coronavirus and the flu virus are so interesting is that they right. rapidly mutate. So they can, they can, you know, they can change themselves. And coronavirus also, and I'm, I'm sure that, um, I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, coronavirus is interesting in that it can mutate or borrow some of its, you know, some of its skills from yes. animals, which yes. I find so fascinating about this particular virus. Um, but that's the tricky thing about flu, where you can get it again, is that, you know, we base the vaccine off of previous years and then it changes. So we just do the best we can. Um, mm. So that's where, you know, 
that's where it gets a little a little tricky. Wow. Um, so but that's really- where getting the flu vaccine every year is helpful right. um, because some years um, it looks similar and then some years it doesn't, but getting it every year um, is helpful. So that's also um, something that I implore that I that I stressed. One of my messages here is um, you don't want to um, get the, the flu is definitely still out there. So, you know, we've, we're stressing the coronavirus. The flu, flu is like, oh, y'all, so y'all forgot I'm still out here Killing causing people. problems, causing <laughs> yeah. problems in these streets. Um, right. So, in these streets. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so what, what would you tell the people that are in like this mass hysteria, right? Like, <sighs> like they don't know what to do and they, they, they probably have never been exposed to it at all because they don't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But they're terrified because they're getting so much information from me. What would you What would you tell the mass majority question, of bro. people that, about this? Don't panic. Be concerned, but don't panic. It's not time to panic. Um, the majority of people will recover from this. Um, this is not the first time that we have dealt with a viral pandemic. Um, we've even seen coronavirus before. Corona has been here before. This particular coronavirus, this one today, has not. But we've been here before. Um, I think um, medical science is is working very hard to stay ahead of this, um, but we have been here before. Um, right. Coronavirus is not new. Um, I think uh, all the precautions that we're taking will help. Um, it takes all of us doing our part, though. Um, so rather than panic, do your part. Um, so I think eventually this is going to get better. I think it's just hard to predict when that better is going to be, but eventually um, we will we will get ahead of this particular virus. Uh, it's 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 kind of frustrating because it's requiring so much work on each individual person, but yeah. um, but we will get ahead of this. Um, you know, there was the flu pandemic in the early 1900s. Um, remember, there was SARS that was back in the early 2000s. So yeah. this has definitely happened before, and each time there's been a recovery. So we right. will get to a recovery position before. Um, the goal, like I said before, is to keep yourself from getting this virus mm-hmm. so that you're not out of work, so that you don't infect your children, um, so that you don't infect an elderly family member, um, and then do your part so that we as healthcare providers can care for those people by not overwhelming the healthcare system. So you don't want to get your elderly family member sick. You don't need to go into the emergency room for um, asking for a test or clearance for work, those things overwhelm the healthcare system. So we all have to do our individual part. So do that rather than panic. Right. Dr. Sultan, at the end, we always hand the mic over to our guests to tell the people whatever it is that's on your heart to tell them. You can tell them how to follow you. You can tell them not to panic. Whatever it is that you want to say, this is your opportunity. Great. Well, um, I appreciate your ear. Uh, I appreciate your time. Um, the first thing is, yeah, don't panic. Um Stay hopeful. Um, please do your part. Um, if you're thinking that this is a virus that you can't catch, if you're thinking this is a virus that do- does not matter, um, you're wrong. However, this will get better. If everybody does their part, this will get better. The only thing I have to add is I think we have common sense for a reason, right? There's a lot of hysteria, there's a lot of news, but just take a moment. And think through the actions that you are considering taking before you take them. And that's across the board, whether it's buying 400 rolls of toilet paper or whether it's deciding that you still go into the club to back it up Saturday night. Let's just use a little common sense, flatten the curve that you've heard mentioned a couple of times in the last two episodes, and really take care of yourselves. That's all I got. We good? Yes. Yes, indeed. All black. 
We out. Peace. We out. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.